Chapter six of Thy Soul Shall Bear Witness by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Chapter six. The Old Woman on the Roadside. David Holm was lying nerve-wracked in the death-cart, wrathful not against the whole world, but against himself. What had lately seized him? Why had he thrown himself at Sister Edith's feet like a penitent and remorseful sinner? George must certainly be laughing at him. A man, if he was deserving of that name, ought to stand by his deeds. He knew why he had committed them. He would not rush off and fling everything he had overboard merely because a bit of a girl said that she was in love with him what was it then that had come over him was it love but he was dead she was dead what kind of love could that be the lame horse was moving again jogging down one of the streets which led out of the town the houses became fewer and fewer the street lamps farther apart the boundary of the town was in sight and then these objects would cease. As they were approaching the last lamp-post, Holm was seized by a kind of depression, a vague anxiety to get right away from the town. He felt that he was being taken from something which he ought not to leave. At the very moment that he felt this disquiet, he heard amid all the indescribable creaking and rattling of the cart a voice speaking behind him, and he lifted his head to listen. It was George in conversation with someone who seemed to be riding with them in the cart, a passenger whom he had not noticed up to now. "'I must not accompany you farther,' said a gentle voice, so choked by pain and sorrow that it was scarcely audible. "'I had so much to tell him, but he is lying here angry and malicious.' and i cannot make myself either seen or heard by him you must please let him understand from me that i have been to meet him but i am being carried away from this town and must never again appear to him as i am now but suppose he repents and regrets asked george you yourself have said that he can repent of nothing replied the voice in a sorrowful tremor you must tell him from me that i thought we should belong to each other for eternity but now from this moment he can never see me again but if he can make atonement for his evil deeds george queried you will kindly tell him from me that i was not allowed to accompany him farther than here wailed the voice bid him farewell from me but if he can reform and become another man george insisted you may tell him that i shall always love him replied the voice in a strain of greater melancholy than before i have no other hope to give him david holm had got on his knees at the bottom of the cart at these words he made a violent effort and suddenly stood upright at full length he snatched at a something which fluttered away from the uncertain clutch of his manacled hands he did not succeed in clearly distinguishing what it was but it left an impression of something gleaming bright 
of a beauty beyond all dreams he wanted to tear himself free and dash after the fugitive but was prevented by something that paralyzed him more than mere fetters and bonds it was love the love of spiritual beings of which earthly love is but a poor imitation which once again overmastered him as at the deathbed it had slowly burned through him just as a fire whilst it is burning up slowly burns the wood into a glow scarcely any one noticed its action but nevertheless from time to time it sends a sudden flame to show that it is about to set the whole ablaze such a sudden flame was that which now blazed up in david holm it did not gleam in full radiance but its light was sufficient for him to see the beloved one in such glorious guise that he must needs sink down stricken by helplessness conscious that he dare not that he had not the will that he could not endure to approach her the driver's cart continued its way in pitch darkness on either side stood a dense and towering forest so narrow was the road that the sky was indistinguishable it seemed to holm that the horse was moving more slowly than ever the creaking of the wheels was more piercing his own self-examination more strict and the forlorn monotony greater than in other spots then george drew in the reins for a moment the creaking ceased and the driver cried aloud in a high-pitched voice what is all the torture i am suffering what are all the torments that await me compared to the uncertainty of the only thing which is of vital importance to know i thank thee god that i am come from the darkness of mortal life i praise and glorify thee in all my misery because i know that thou hast bestowed on me the gift of eternal life the journey was resumed with jolts and creaking but the driver's words lingered in david holm's ears it was the first time he had felt some little sympathy with his old friend he is a brave man he thought he does not complain although there is no hope of his getting away from his occupation it was a long journey this one that seemed never to reach an end after they had journeyed so long that david holm supposed they had been on the road for a day and a night they reached a wide plain which was overshadowed by a sky no longer sullen but clear and then a half-moon glided up between the three wise men and the pleiades with creeping slowness the lame horse jogged over the plain and when at last it was crossed david holm looked up at the moon's disk to find out how far it had got then he observed that it had not moved at all and he began wondering at this they journeyed on and on at long intervals he glanced up to the sky and saw that the moon never stirred from her place between the three wise men and the pleiades but remained still at last he realized that although he had supposed that they had been journeying for a day and a night yet no change had taken place from night till morning nor from day to evening and that there had been the same night all the time for hours and hours so it seemed to him they journeyed on but on heaven's great dial none of the wise men had moved 
everything remained in its old position he might have thought that the world had stayed its course if he had not remembered what george had told him about time being stretched out stretched out so that the driver might reach all the places he had to reach he realized with a shudder that what for him was drawn out to days and days and nights and nights might not be more than one short moment according to man's reckoning of time in his childhood he had heard speak of a man who had visited the blessed in heaven in their dwellings when the man came back he said that a hundred years in god's heaven had passed as quickly as a single day on earth but for him who drove the death-cart perhaps a single day was as long as hundreds of years on earth again he felt a touch of sympathy for george it is no wonder that he longs to be released it has proved a long year to him whilst driving up a steep hill they caught sight of a person who was travelling even slower than themselves and whom they would overtake it was an old woman bent and decrepit who got along by the aids of a substantial stick and who despite her feebleness was carrying a bundle so heavy that it quite dragged her down on one side it seemed as if the old woman had the faculty of seeing the death-cart for she made way to it and stood still by the roadside when it came right opposite her afterwards she slightly quickened her pace so that she could keep up with the cart and meanwhile she eyed it very closely to find out what manner of thing it was in the clear moonlight it was not long before she observed that the horse was an old one-eyed crocs that the harness was fastened together with birch twigs and bits of string that the cart was worn out and in chronic danger of losing both its wheels it's extraordinary that anybody should venture to drive about in a vehicle of that description and with such a horse mumbled the old woman to herself without thinking that the travellers might hear her i was thinking of asking a lift for a bit of the way but that poor horse has all it can do to get along and the cart might break to pieces if i stepped into it she had however hardly spoken the words before george leaned over his seat and began to sing the praise of his horse and cart ah said he this cart and horse are not so bad as you think i have driven them over roaring seas where the waves rose as high as horses and great ships sank but they have not overturned with me the old woman was somewhat dumbfounded but she decided that she had come across a carter who liked to have his little joke and she was not long in giving him tit for tat perhaps there are some who get on better on the roaring sea than they do on dry land she said for i am inclined to think that they will find it a bit awkward to make progress here i have driven through precipitous mine shafts right down into the bowels of the earth said the driver without the horse stumbling and i have driven through burning towns where it has been like a blast furnace with fire on all sides no fireman has ventured so far through fire and smoke 
as that horse has gone without shying you like making merry over an old body driver retorted the old crone sometimes i've had business on the highest mountains where no beaten track existed continued the driver but the horse has climbed up mountain walls and ventured over chasps and yet the cart has stood it though the ground on these places was nothing but a succession of blocks of stone i have journeyed over marshes where there was no solid turf that could bear a child and snow which lay in drifts as high as a man and it has not been able to stop me so i don't think i can complain of my gear well if it is as you say i don't wonder you are pleased remarked the old woman agreeing with him you are i can see a real swell you with your fine horse and carriage i'm the strong one who has might over the children of men replied the driver and his voice took a deep and solemn tone i bring them under my sway whether they dwell in lofty halls or in wretched cellars i bestow freedom on slaves and i tear down kings from their thrones there is no citadel so strong but i can scale its walls there is no science so profound that avails to arrest my progress i smite the confident however much they bask themselves in the sun of prosperity and i bestow wealth and possessions on the wretched who have languished in poverty didn't i guess said the old woman laughing that i had come across some bigwig but since you are so grand and have such a fine carriage perhaps you could give me a lift i was off to one of my daughters for new year's eve but i missed my way and i believe i shall have to spend the whole night walking on the king's highway unless indeed you will be good enough to help me no you must not ask me for that cried the driver you will fare better on the road than if you were in my cart well i dare say you are right there said the old woman i'd rather think your horse would stumble if he had to carry me but anyhow i'll put my bundle in the back of the cart i fancy you could help so far without asking further leave she shifted her bundle and deposited it on the bottom of the cart but it sank down to the ground without the slightest stop just as if she had put it on belching smoke or on driving mist maybe at that very moment she lost sight of the cart for she remained standing in the road bewildered and trembling without attempting to resume her talk with the driver but this conversation made holm more sympathetic with george he has certainly had to go through a good deal he thought i am not surprised that he is so altered End of chapter 6 Read by Lars Rolander